chapter 9 and verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with him? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I want you to note this in verse 26. It says, And the Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. I want you to notice the trauma. I want you to notice the aftermath of this spirit coming out of him. I'm going to give you a title tonight that you're going to say for a moment, what does this have to do with anything? But before I'm done, you'll know what I'm preaching. I want to preach to you tonight on running through the grass. Running through the grass. Stretch your hand this way. Ask the Lord to anoint. Father,
Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Running through the grass. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture if you are a Bible reader. I doubt that you have attended Sunday school very long or gone to church very long that you have not at least heard this passage alluded to. In fact, Jesus was one that dealt with a lot of hard cases. You could talk about the demoniac of Gadara. You could talk about the widow at Nain. You could talk about Lazarus's death. And those things are all impossibilities unless you have the power of God. But this is one that is a particularly hard case because it is happening in the life of someone that is so young. When I look at the nature of bondage, there's some things that we need to understand tonight before we can really get into this message. And these things are revealed to us by the stories of demon-possessed people in the Scripture. When I think of demon possession, and I've preached from this portion many times, I think of Mark chapter 5, and I think of the demoniac of Gadara. There are very few pictures that are painted more vividly of, of destruction and bondage and uh, someone that has given up hope uh, than this story of the demoniac of Gadara. The Bible doesn't give us his name, but if I say Gadara in a room full of Christians, automatically we will say the demoniac of Gadara. There will be points and, and things that happen to us if I say the land of the Gadarenes. We immediately understand that this man had made his mark. Amen. It was not just that he was a demoniac, but he was the demoniac of Gadara. He had stamped his mark. If you came to Gadara, you knew who this demoniac was. But there's something about this story of the demoniac of Gadara that you need to understand. We do not come upon this story at the beginning of the bondage. In fact, when we come upon him, he is at the end of his chain. Uh, 
There is nothing left for him to cast off. But in that story, there is a description for us of a process of how he became what he was. Because ultimately, the devil will begin something in you with a masterpiece of sin and destruction in mind. If you were to walk in upon Picasso when he dipped his brush into paint and made a stroke upon the paper, you might say that's a stroke, but you do not yet understand what the artist is painting. You do not yet see what is in his mind, and so it is with the bondage of Satan when he lays one stroke of his plan upon your life. But when we come to the demoniac of Gadara, we are now beginning to see the picture that Satan has painted for his life. Oh, come out here. He's filled in the hills and the valleys. The shading is right. And the Bible said that this man is naked. That this man has been bound with chains and they cannot hold him. That he dwells among the tombs and that he is cutting himself with the potsherds that he finds. Now, when I look at this description, just stay with me for a while because I'm headed somewhere. When I look at this description, there are some things that I can ascertain about bondage. Number one, I want you to notice the Bible said that he is stripped naked. I want you to know something about sin tonight. That when you have a, a, a compass or a moral compass that is still in tune with God, you become ashamed of sin. None of us sin and then get on Facebook or the phone or, or take out an ad to let people know this is how I sinned. This is what day it was. This is who I did it with or this is what happened. No, no. We tend to hide that and we find a place of prayer as the Spirit moves us and we try to repent. That's if you're yielded to God. But there are some people who when they sin, it is hidden and they do not deal with it. And they sin again and they sin again until it becomes a nature, until it becomes an action that they do not think of and then they become no longer ashamed and when I come upon this man of Gadara he is naked and there is nothing hidden he is saying this is who I am and if you don't like it I'll kill you the nature of bondage begins by laying strokes upon us. Again, a stroke and a stroke. But the devil has a plan. We like to talk about God's plan. And we like to talk about God's will. But I want you to know that equally the enemy has a plan. And the enemy has a will for your life. Yes, sir. God has a plan that will lead you down a path of possibly finding a mate that you can stand with and serve God. The devil wants you to sample several men, several women. He wants you to leave a piece of yourself. And he will orchestrate and manipulate that and see if you will succumb. Are you listening to me? Because his ultimate goal is to have you stripped naked and everybody can see who you are. Now, there's a second thing. He cannot be bound. I want you to think about this. He rejects societal structure. Isn't that, isn't that the 
mantra of today's age. You can't put me in the box. I'm going to be my own individual. You're not going to, I'm, I'm going to dress everybody. I'm going to dress unique. Isn't it unique that everybody that dresses unique dresses the same way? I mean, they're unique. I got my hat turned sideways. Well, so does Bubba. Amen. And I got my hat turned. I, I got my shoelaces yellow and red. And so does Sam Smith up the road. You're not that unique, buddy. There's only so much you can do. But this is the cry. I'm unique. Notice now the men of the city have come out to bind him. But he, they put the chains on him. And he says, I'm not going to stay and he breaks the chain this is one of the first aspects of bondage in your life when a pastor preaches and chains you when a parent begins to instruct you and he chains you and instead of surrendering to the chain oh, I wish you'd help me preach right here instead of surrendering to the chain you snap the chain and say I will not be bound that way I will not be held in check You see, whether we like to believe this or not, people don't get demon-possessed by accident. People get demon-possessed because they are rebellious. Rebellion is as witchcraft. Oh, are you going to help me preach tonight? I know you're wondering where I'm going. Just stay with me. He rejects societal culture. But now there is a third symptom that is shown to us. He is cutting himself. Now why in the world would he spend time gashing himself with a pot shirt? I, I looked at some commentaries and they said things like uh, the devil hated him so much that he was hurting himself. But then I remembered a story told to me by Brother Matt Wilson. And he said this. He was teaching in high school and there was a young lady there by the name of Lucy and he said he got to noticing when she would turn her papers in that there were gashes on her arm and cuts on her arm and one day he said she was wearing a short skirt he said was handing out papers and he noticed on her legs that there were cuts everywhere and so she came to turn this test that he had handed out in and she was the last one and he said Lucy can I talk to you for a moment he said I'd like to know he said I noticed the cuts on your arms and the cuts on your legs. He said, would you mind telling me what's going on? She looked at him and said, well, she said, I'm dead inside. I don't feel anything. She said, every once in a while, I cut myself to let me know that I'm still alive. Could it be that this demoniac of Gadara had gone past feeling? that at times he's sitting in the tombs and he remembers the breakfast around the table, his mother's sweet voice, the sun shining in and it doesn't stir him anymore and so he cuts himself he remembers sitting by a river bank and casting a line into the water with his father and it doesn't stir him anymore and so he cuts himself he has gone past feeling. This is the nature of bondage. This is the process of bondage. Now we'll see this cycle similarly played out in Samson's life. He knows truth. He knows the responsibility of separation. But finds himself violating those principles. And he finds himself barbered, then blinded, 
and then bound. There is always a process. We talked about God's process of bringing you back. But tonight I'm showing you the process of how Satan takes you out. Listen to me. Whenever there is resistance to the rules of life and the holy writ of Scripture, there will be chains of bondage. Now listen to me tonight. Oh, I feel like preaching. We ain't shouting, but I feel the preacher. Hey man, listen to me. We are a people in holiness that exist on things called boundaries. Come out here. There are very clear and distinct lines that we draw so that we will not cross them. We expect our women to look like ladies. We expect our men to dress like men. We don't want to look at them and think, is that a, is that a man or a woman? We want to look at them and say, that's a man. We expect that. We expect there to be principles of modesty. We expect that we do not get caught up in every fashion and fad. We expect we draw boundaries. In everything we do, we draw boundaries. We don't just throw it. Well, you're 16. Just go out. Go on. Go date. Go do what you want. Go ahead. I'll tell you what happens. She'll end up pregnant. I'll tell you. Come on. And so we draw boundaries. And we say there is a place and a time. And when you stand before God's holy altar that, and, and you make the vow to be married, then that is the time for a physical relationship to begin in your life. Not before and not after. And the world will say you are causing them to resist a natural urge. I got news for you. You got a dog that you walk and you don't let it use the bathroom on your couch. It's a natural urge. But you train it. There's a place and there's a time and we should do no less for our children there is a place and there is a time these are boundaries that are given to us when Louis the 14th gardener at Versalis discovered that aristocrats were trampling through his gardens he approached King Louis King Louis would sometimes, some historians say, he would sometimes don the garbs of a servant and work in the gardens because he liked it. He liked to see things grow and he liked their beauty. And he was very particular about his gardens. And so he put up signs. And these little signs were called etiquettes. And the sign said this. They said, keep off the grass. Stay off the grass. But the dukes and the aristocrats would come through and they would ignore the signs. And so he made a royal decree. And he started putting these little stones that were called etiquettes. And he made paths out of them. There were paths that went in the grass. And there were paths that went through the garden. And there were paths. But he expected that you walked upon the stones. That you walked upon the markers. Are you listening to me right now? And we live in a, in a gospel in a Christianity that has markers. 
There are markers that we are expected to walk on. It is not that God does not want us to enjoy the beauty of life and the beauty of the things that he has created. It is this. If you get off the path, you'll destroy the grass. But you'll not only destroy your grass, you'll break the decree of the king and you will destroy your life. God knew from the beginning that this would be the attraction to the wandering heart of humanity. Don't believe me? Here's an entire garden. Run through it. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come on here. You can do whatever you want, but don't touch this one thing. And what do we find? Come on here. Like a toddler, you can put everything away. You can pile a pile of toys as high as my head in the middle of the room. And you can put one little piece of crystal in that room and say, don't touch it. And they'll forsake the toys and break the crystal. You'll see them throwing it in the air, putting it in their pocket, licking it, putting it in their mouth. You might as well come on here. Oh, and God knew that this would be the attraction. And so he set boundaries. He said, don't eat. And we could not keep the boundaries. Are you with me right here? We could not keep the boundaries. And we had to touch what God said not to touch. Can I tell you that original sin began with a rebellion in the heart of Eve and a rebellion in the heart of Adam. And sin will begin in your life when you rebel against the boundaries of God. God knew it. Deuteronomy 27 and 17, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. In the wisdom literature of Proverbs, he would reiterate it again. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Now this is just practical stuff. I mean, the landmarks or boundary marks were placed in Israel by God. You can read that in Joshua chapter 13 through 19 uh, to provide each tribe with their, I'm sorry, in Joshua chapter 13 uh, to, to provide each tribe their inheritance in the promised land of Canaan. Within each tribe, families and individuals receive land whose boundaries were marked with landmarks. And what God was saying is, don't reap a harvest out of your neighbor's field. Don't reach into your neighbor's field and take wheat, take grain, take rice. Don't take it. It's not yours. Don't sow there. It's not yours. And let the people say amen. But he'd go a step further. He'll say it again in Proverbs 23 and 10. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. I know this ain't a camp meeting message. You just have to endure with me. 
and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Now notice this has two things attached to it. First, there is a command of authority. Remove not. He didn't, he didn't mince words. He, he said, remove not the old landmark. But secondly, there is a claim of custody. He said, they may not have earthly fathers, but I am their father. They may not have earthly fathers if you move the landmarks and encroach on their field, but I will fight for them and I will make sure that you are judged. But you need to understand that this field or the boundary showed us what our lawful possession was. But in this claim of custody, God was saying, this is a protection for those who have no power to speak for themselves. Do not lay claim to a field that is someone else's and they have no power to reclaim it. But is this not what sin does? In a moment of passion, a young girl gives up her purity and a young man reaches into another man's field that was his wife. That was his virginity. That was his purity. Oh, y'all are getting quiet on me now. And now there's nothing I can do to reclaim it. You move the landmark and you marched into the field of the fatherless. Take it a step further. Had a night of passion and now I'm pregnant and I'm expecting and I don't want it. So I'm going to go down to the clinic. What? Go ahead and move the landmark and take the life of the baby. You reached in and took the life of the fatherless. Are you staying with me right here? Go ahead. Go on down and wrap your arm uh, with a band and shoot some heroin in your vein. It's not a big deal, but before too long, you'll be stealing from your mama and you'll be stealing from your daddy and you'll be robbing from your cousins and you'll move the landmark because your mama will stay up at night weeping and crying, wondering if her son's still alive. Are you listening to me? And there's nothing she can do to reclaim it. Oh my God, you're not hearing me. Go ahead and move the landmark and you'll put that needle in your vein while your children are hungry. You'll take all the money to support your habit and you'll march into the field of the fathers. They can't fight. They can't do anything. This is a picture of sin. And God said, don't do it. I put the boundaries there for your protection. I put them there so you wouldn't march into something. Oh God. Oh God. Go ahead and let Sally, who smells good and looks good and makes you feel good at work, go ahead, go ahead, talk to her. Go ahead and flirt with her. Go ahead, go ahead. All you're doing is nudging the landmark. All you're doing is moving the boundary. And if you tell 
your wife goodbye and your children are pulling on your pant leg and your children are crying and you march out the door you've not only moved the landmark but you've walked into the fields of the fatherless they can't you're not listening to me they can do nothing to reclaim the field they can do nothing to reclaim the field this is the picture of sin and you wonder why the devil stirs you to kick against the man of God when he lays out boundaries there are some of you you love brother Woods but sometimes you hate what he has to say why because the boundaries sometimes are tighter than we really want to live Lift your hands right now. Say, God, open my heart. You see, you are disturbing two things about God when you move the boundaries, two immutable characteristics of God when you move the boundaries and step into the fields of the fatherless. One, you are stretching His love. Two, you are demanding His justice. Listen to me. God is love. God, God, God wouldn't allow that to happen. No, God is love. But his justice will demand that when there is an action that violates his holiness, we stand in judgment. So you are stretching his love and demanding his justice. How long before they find out? Now walk with me for a moment to our text. I hope you're with me tonight. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where he's coming from. He's just been glorified. I mean, Peter was in such a way. He said, let us stay here and build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elias, and one for you. It's good for us to be here, Lord. And God said, Peter, we can't stay here because there's some demons down there we got to deal with. There's some stuff down there that, that I came for that i got to deal with. But as Jesus comes down the mountain... He is looking at disturbed disciples. Do you know that nothing disturbs the church like people who are in bondage and in sin and the church doesn't have the answer to it? You'll sit in a service and the pastor will preach and tattoo you with what you're doing and show you why it's wrong and you sit like a stone the altar call is given. You will not move. You will not come. And people, that, listen to me. You can't do anything in secret in 2020. 2020 has 2020 vision, baby. Come on. It can see you. And, and you can't hide it. You may hide it for a little while. But eventually people begin to know. They might not know what you're doing. But they can sense the change in your spirit. 
They can sense the change in the atmosphere around you when your hands no longer go up and the tears no longer flow and there's no response and they begin to say, what's wrong with brother so-and-so? What's wrong with sister so-and-so? What's wrong with little Jimmy? What's wrong with little Sally? There's something not right. I can sense it. There's something wrong. And the disciples are disturbed. Here's this little boy we're trying to cast the devil out of and we can't. I don't know what the answer is. What do I do? You've been there, Pastor. You've been there. I mean, I've had messages. And I told my wife, I said, and I've named them this and this and this tonight. If it doesn't move, I don't know what else to do. Because I know God's talked. And I mean, I've got down and done everything but call their name. I've stood by them and preached with my hand on their shoulder. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, just get, just getting it. And, and, and they, amen. That's right. Amen. Oh, glory. That's right, preacher. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Woo, that was good preaching. Amen. Make the altar call. And they, looking at their Bibles. Looking at their phone. Well, it's time to go to the bathroom. Time to get something to drink. You've been there. It disturbs the disciples. Listen to me. But Jesus did not only see disturbed disciples, he saw a distraught father. <laughs> Do you know in the church that there are little children and there are young men and there are fathers? John defined that. Little children have to have someone to watch over them. Young men still need someone to watch over them, but they can take on responsibilities. A father is able to take care of himself and feed and train others. And sitting in your church will be men who are fathers. They might not be pastors. They might not even be preachers. But they are fathers. They are men who stand with God and walk with God. And they'll come beside you and they'll teach you how to walk with God. And they'll train you and they'll feed you spiritually. <laughs> and when they see what's happening, the fathers become distraught. Oh, God. They'll reach out and grab you by the arm and say, I don't know what you're going through, brother. I just want to tell you I'm praying for you. I don't know what you're facing. I just want to tell you I love you. And if you need somebody, I'm right here. Just give me a call and I'll come running. And you act like, well, thank you, thank you. But they know by your response that you're never going to take them up on it because you've kicked over the boundaries and you're not interested in surrendering yourself to God. Watch this. He sees disturbed disciples, distraught father, and he sees a dysfunctional child. This is the scene Jesus comes up on. This is a dysfunctional child. Think about this. The father has to sit him down. The Bible doesn't say it, but he's deaf and dumb. He can't speak, and neither can he be spoken to. One commentator said he was essentially a log with arms and legs. <laughs> Think about it. I have a cousin who's severely autistic. You can't communicate with him. But you can sit him at the table and put something in front of him that he doesn't like. And he doesn't say, I don't like this. He grabs the bowl and flips it across the room. He kicks the table over. And that was, that was rough when he was six. But now he's all in his 30s. 
and he's about that tall and he weighs about 230 pounds and my little my 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 little cousin who's taking care of him is about five foot one, maybe 130 pounds, and he knocks her around. It gets rough. Can you imagine going through that scenario? We're gonna get you dressed. No, we're not gonna get dressed. Here, I'm gonna feed you. I'm not gonna eat that. Oh God, let me talk to you. I'm not gonna listen. Say something to you. I can't say anything. He is a dysfunctional child, and Jesus comes down in the middle of someone who's kicked the boundaries and oh god and the pastor says here i've cooked it for you and he sets it down not eating that let me put some clothes of righteousness on you i'm not wearing that i'm not let me talk to you Pastor sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Brother, I don't know what's wrong. Would you just talk to me? I don't. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Just, just my marriage is about to end, and my children are rebellious, and I don't get anything from church. I'm, I'm actually about that far from never coming. But there's nothing wrong. I'm not gonna. Talk to you. Dysfunctional child. This is what Jesus comes down the mountain to see. Are you with me right here? Jesus comes down the mountain to see a little boy who never walked on the markers. He ran. Through the grass. Here's the path. I'm not going that way. The grass is too pretty. Let me run through it. This path doesn't take me close enough to the fruit. Let me get off of it. So I can eat what I want. So I can have what I want. Oh, glory to God. Listen to me right now. And I'm not trying to be uh, scare you or be a prophet, but I know God did not deal with me about this message and break me in half throughout this day over preaching this. If there weren't some people, if you'd be honest right now, you're sitting on the edge. Of, you don't like the message and you're thinking about flipping it off the table. You don't want to listen and you've got your spiritual mm, going on and you don't want to say anything. But tonight God's telling you, I know how to put the landmarks back. I know how to set you back on the right path but you've got to come to me